Hello and welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money in your marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and I'm joined by the spender who lights my fire, Heather. Come on, baby, light my fire. <laughs> the song's already <laughs> begun. We'd love to hear from you all. Please send us your questions or comments. You can email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. We have another fantastic show planned for you today. Today, we are going to be jumping into what the fire movement is all about. Ooh, sounds hot. It's spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. Um, So why do we need to talk about this this fire movement? Well, in in some recent episodes, no doubt you've heard heard from guests. You've heard us talk a little bit about, uh, about the fire movement, but we haven't really defined in any detail what it is, why it's important, um, any of that. And so we want to give you some context for that. And there's probably a lot of you out there that just haven't, um, either haven't had experience with it or, or perhaps are on the other end of the end of the spectrum are very interested in it. And maybe you're already part of the fire movement. Yeah. I mean, I think as we'll talk about, like it's relatively kind of a newer movement. I mean, not that the concepts are, are new but uh yeah and i think this is really significant with the millennial generation so it depends on kind of where you're at in life but yeah i i I feel a little um not an expert to be able to talking about this today but we're gonna give it a shot (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're jumping into it yeah so so why don't we start by just defining exactly what we mean when we mean fire um, so FIRE is uh, an acronym that stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. And this started out of a, out of a I think it was a 1992 book called Your Money, Your Life that kind of laid the foundation for what the FIRE movement is all about. And it's really this, this emphasis on keeping expenses low so that you can fund yourself and and retire as early as possible. So it's it's managing that balance. It's recognizing it's not just about income. Income certainly, income and savings are are part of that equation, um, and certainly high savings are. Uh, but managing expenses is also part of that equation. So looking at it from a holistic lens. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what makes it a little different because I think people often think, oh, well, the only people who can do that and retire early are people that make gobs of money and have high incomes. There's no way that the average Joe can do that. And I think that was what was so, you know, turned the light bulb on was like, no, actually – you can if you are kind of in the average or it's even below, a, even if you're below average right. income, that doesn't mean you can't retire early. Exactly. Um, but it is more about like the extreme saving, you know, lifestyle and saving, you know, 50 to 70 percent of your income in order to do it. So it's not just, oh, yeah, I'll put an extra five dollars away and keep my normal lifestyle. It is drastic change, right? Yes, it is a lifestyle shift. You are. You are making a choice that I am sacrificing today in order to have more time and have that freedom um, 
maybe 10 to 15 years down the road rather than having that freedom 30 years, 30 to 40 years down the road as a lot of people entering the workforce do. And I think, I know David hates talking about generational groups, but I do think like the millennials really grabbed onto this as, you know, wanting to retire and quit their day jobs earlier than, you know, not have to have traditional employment for their, till they're 65 or whatever. And I think that was a lot the driver from that generational and, group. And that's because stereotypically millennials are more focused on experiences. Right. And so experiences over stuff, experiences and time over over money. And so that's that's what this enables. Right. Now there are some variations on fire. Uh, so we're gonna talk through kind of the different types so that it doesn't have to always just be the extreme, maybe that's not for you. Um, so I'm going to go through those. So the first one is the lean fire. And that's kind of, I think what people think of as the traditional, probably what it normally is, where it's, you know, referring to stringent adherence to a minimalist living, extreme savings, necessitating, you know, for a far more restricted lifestyle. So you're really like cinching in, you're not doing it. You're really trying to put away as much money as you possibly can to reach that goal. So you're pretty much sacrificing a lot of your lifestyle. And, and how, how that looks or how I've seen that look is that people will, they, they will live in extremely frugal circumstances where they, they, they have no subscriptions. There's no Netflix subscription, right? They, they're, they're shopping. Grocery shopping is they're, they're only buying near expired food they're and and they're they're eating beans and rice and and that's all they're doing they're not traveling they're not eating out they're not they 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 might not even have a car um they're only using public transportation it could be renting a room or having lots of roommates lots instead of, roommates. of living on their yes. own to help save money on living expenses so. and, and they're saving like heather was saying up to 75 percent of their income yeah so on the opposite end of that is what they call fat fire and that's someone who's living more of a traditional lifestyle so you're not cutting out the netflix and you're probably going out to eat every once in a while but you are saving more than the average retirement investor so if you think about it you know most people are putting hopefully at least putting their 401k to the match of their employee their employer or you know a lot of people say 15 percent they're trying to save towards retirement it's often a number thrown around so I would say they're doing more than that, but they're not to the point where they're probably at 70% or 50% of their savings. They are getting aggressive, but they're still able to, like we said, like watch Netflix and go to a movie once in a while or eat out. Right. And, and the, the average person, I think the average person who's saving for retirement um, in a traditional sense is usually in that 10 to 15% savings. So this, this fat fire is probably closer to the 40% would be in my mind, but yeah. I, I don't know what the official number would be. Yeah. The next type is called barista fire. And this refers to um, people in the fire movement who have quit their traditional nine to five jobs. So they're not, you know, punching the time card, doing what they were normally doing, but they still employ some form of part-time work. So they've quit their regular job, but they're not just solely retired. So they're working some sort of part-time job to cover their current expenses that otherwise would deplete their retirement fund. So that's why they call it barista. People often think maybe they're working at a Starbucks or doing some part-time kind of gig, but um, it's working, but minimally probably on their 
their time frame, but not doing the standard traditional job. So Heather, am I correct that this is a person that has enough money in their account that they could they could retire when they hit 60, but they don't have enough today to cover their day-to-day expenses, so they have this, right. this light job to cover those day-to-day. Exactly, exactly. And I think my point on that one, I think, are more people that are focused on the retire early, so they want to get out of their, their day job, but um, they're not quite able to do it yet, right? So it's like, sure. all right, I, I, have a, I have something, so I'm in a good place. But I need to, you know, supplement my income a little bit. I don't want to erode away from my retirement. And then the last one that we have here is, I'm sure there's others, but the last one we're going to cover here is called Coast Fire. And this also applies to followers with a part-time job. But these proponents do have enough saved to fund their retirement and current living expenses. So these people, they can. They don't need to work. They have it. They've, they're there. But they want to, they want to, they don't want to eat into that. And so they have the option and they've chosen to, to work part-time and have a little gig on the side to cover some expenses. They're working because they want to, right? not because they have to. Right. Exactly. And and really, isn't that the place where we all want to (laughs) be? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Who doesn't want to be in that situation? Nice. All right. Yeah. And so I think that this, um, the, the way you're talking about these different types it feels like it's also tied in very closely with the minimalist movement. And I've talked to, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we had an interview um, w- with a couple, Andy and Missy, who, who embrace the, the minimalist movement a fair amount. And I could see a lot of parallels, even though I don't think they would classify themselves as fire necessarily. Um, I can see a lot of parallels between the minimalist movement and the fire movement. Right. Because, I mean, again, if you're saving and you're not spending, you're not accumulating a bunch of stuff and having an extravagant. You are you are living very minimally, right? So, a minimalist could travel a lot and spend a lot of money traveling. True. But true. but overall, I think there that a minimalist is more likely to find the fire movement quite appealing and in line with their um, with their expectations and desires. Yes. So why, David, do you think that why, why, why Aspire become this movement and lots of people are following it, following it and doing it? Well, I think there are a few reasons. I think, as I mentioned earlier, there's there's this push to have more experiences rather than physical stuff. Um, and th- that's certainly to some extent a, a generational thing. But I think it's also just a cultural cultural shift there. I think there's also a, a growing, maybe not growing, but but there's just generally dissatisfaction with with work and careers and people that that don't like their jobs or or would rather be doing something else than their jobs look at this and say, how do I find a way to get out of the rat race sooner? And I think that's appealing to at least have that option. Like I was saying, being able to have the option of I can work or I can not work just to have that on the table as an option is incredibly appealing. Uh, and who doesn't want to have a little bit of extra cash in the, the bank account? I, I think there's something to be very appealing about that in my mind. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are focused more on, sometimes you hear a lot of people say they're more focused on the FI yeah. versus the whole fire, the whole financially independent. And I think, I think what this movement has done has it's like shown like, Hey, this is possible. This is something you can do that I think people never, they thought, oh, I'm always going to have a car payment. I'm always going to have a mortgage and 
like seeing that it can be done. And I think it's awesome that people are realizing that they want to be independent financially. And I think that's a really good call out is that when when you look at fire, you don't have to be into all aspects of fire. You can say, I want to be financially independent or I want to be financially independent and retire early. You, you, you don't have to do the whole thing um, to be interested in doing this. Be the financial independence piece gives you options. And I know I've said on previous, <laughs> previous episodes, I'm all about making sure that we have options with our finances. Options give us flexibility in order to do things when, when life happens. So another common question that I, I, I hear about FIRE is how much do you actually need to retire? What is that? What's that right number? And everybody's number is different. And so how do you determine what that right number is? So I think the the formula that they use in the movement, which is most common, I think, is they say, okay, figure out what your expenses in a year are going to be. And so that could either be a, what your expenses are today, or maybe you need to build in some more expenses because you think you're going to travel or you're going to do more. You're actually going to want to watch TV and have that Netflix subscription. (laughs) Um, Also, you do need to factor in inflation because a dollar today is not worth a dollar in 20 years from now. So once you know what that number is with an annual expenses, then they take it times 25, if I'm correct. Um, right. And so they say that's the amount that you need to have saved. And then you can um, basically live off of, I think they use 4% of a return, which is kind of even low. That's so I think it's conservative. Conser- you could conservative. You could use a higher number if you wanted. I know Steve Ramsey even sometimes uses 10%, which I think is a little too aggressive. But, you know, you could look at a 6 or 7% or whatever if you look at the history of the market. But anyway, I think the 4% number is what they use conservatively. Um, and that is what allows them to say, okay, 4% of that number should equal what your annual expenses are. So you don't have to eat into that pot of money, that pile. Um, you should not be dipping into that. That's going to generate earnings and interest off it. That's what's going to pay for your expenses. Right. Certainly if you're only pulling 4%, you could live in perpetuity off of that that money. And in fact, if you're only pulling off 4%, likely your your base, that principal is going to continue to grow. And, and maybe that's even enough to keep up with inflation, but certainly don't count on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so th- this is a big, it's a huge task. Um, 25 times your expenses. That's a big number, right? Yeah. So, so how do we get to to saving that much that much money or this seventy five percent of your income? That's a lot of your income, or fifty percent of your income. That's a lot of your income to save. Right. Which is again why, in order to do this within a you know reasonable time frame, like to you know people shoot for I think in their thirties, maybe or definitely by their forties. That's why the savings number has to be so large, right? It has to. You have to be putting away you know, 70%, 50 to 70% or whatever. So the more, more aggressive you are at saving, the sooner, right, that you're going to hit that target. And and the reason for being so aggressive, and I think part of the mentality around this is I want to enjoy my retirement when I'm young enough to enjoy it. And so that's why that, that 30s and 40s time period is what they're targeting. Um, but yeah, it's a lifestyle sacrifice for certainly for your 20s and a good portion at least of your 30s 
in order to hit that number. Um, and so it, it's not when, when you, we ask, how do you do it? You don't do it accidentally. It's a very, it's very much something that you're working hard at, that you're sacrificing for, that you're being, you're being very weird. Um, your friends probably can't relate to you. They like (laughs) seriously, unless, unless all your friends are into this as well you're going to be the weird one that's not doing the things that your friends are doing, not going on the vacations. Um, and it's, it's going to be a shift. I think what one of the pieces, and maybe we'll talk about this later as well, but when you're in that mode, it's hard to go from saving 50 to 75% of your income to now actually n- not saving. That's, that's right. a mental shift. Even like if you retire early, giving up that that monthly savings that's a that's a hard mental shift to make yeah that's what i'm nervous that's gonna happen to you (laughs) i hope you can make that change (laughs) we're 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 changing slowly i'm i'm migrating i'm working the needle is moving the pendulum is starting to swing like a glacier you're slowly melting exactly yeah there's there's some I don't know if it, what would you call it? It's not global warming in our financial uh, life, but it's, it's not quite fire either. It's a <laughs> <laughs> slow melt. Yeah. Um. yeah. So is, is this only for high income earners? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we kind of talked about this. It, it doesn't have to be. Obviously, you know, if you make more money, if you truly embrace this, you could get there quicker. But often what you see with people that make a lot of money is they spend a lot of money. And in fact, a lot of times people with high incomes are more in debt and more broke than people just making, you know, average or under the average. And so it, it it's again, it's not necessarily about your income. If you have a high income, that's going to help if you do this. But um, it's not a high income does not guarantee this at all. Like you said, it's very intentional. It's a lot of work. But yeah, no, this is for for anybody. But of course, like you said, a high income doesn't hurt. It certainly doesn't <laughs> hurt. Um, I wouldn't discourage anyone from having a high income if they're interested in fire, but it's definitely not a prerequisite. It's all about the expenses. Um, I, I don't know. Your overall, what, what do you, how do you figure for all the in all this? Like, what's your overall take on this, Heather? Well, I think it's interesting. I think it is really fascinating. And I think what, what what I'm the most encouraged about is that people are really trying to get financially independent because I don't like the narrative where people say, well, yeah, I'm going to get a car payment because that's what you do. You have to have a car loan or you have to have this. It's just I'm always going to have debt. I'm always going to live in this way. And so what I love about this is the thought change, the mindset of, oh my goodness, no, I don't need to owe anybody anything and I can be independent and I'm not going to rely on social security and I can, you know, have my freedom. And I think that's what I love about it. So I really, for me, I think the focus more would be more on that, you know, feeling independently financially and not relying on anybody else. Um, But one of the things that I think is interesting about this movement is the level of transparency. So it seems like most people in this movement really kind of put out there, here's how much I've saved, here's my number, and give updates. And it's like, I think they're looking for accountability and, you know, people are really encouraging and cheering them on. But I think that's really different for me than, you know, because again, we've talked a lot about on this, how even just in a marriage, sometimes it's tricky 
to start talking and being transparent about your finances, but this is like being transparent to the world. And so that's just different to me. Yeah, I would say that was probably the most surprising thing to me about the FIRE community as a whole is the level of transparency, um, putting actual numbers out there and saying, here's here's my, my goal, here is where I'm at on that goal. And, um, and so that was quite surprising to me just and I think it's just more that um, that traditionally hasn't been the case. And and I like the I, I, I think it's a great thing to shift that to make money something that we can be more transparent about. Um, I, I don't think that the the culture as a whole is there, but you need somebody to blaze that trail. And the fire community seems to be blazing that trail to make money something more public that we are open to talk about, which I got to give them credit for. Yeah. And for me, like, you know, I, I like it. I just, I'm not really into the whole retire early. I'm someone who, you know, I've worked hard. It took me five years to get my CPA license. I got my MBA. Like I put a lot into my career and my profession and my knowledge. And I, I love what I do. Like after 20 years or 21 years now of doing, being in accounting, like I really enjoy it. And I also don't mind bringing home that paycheck. So for me, it's like, I don't, I don't, I love what I do. I love my job. I love my work. And so I'm not anxious to stop working. Um, well, and, and a lot of people will, will, do fire or I've heard a lot of people do fire because they want to they want to give back to the community they want to volunteer they want to do all these things but I look at for instance your job and how you've been able to give back within your job in a way that you wouldn't be able to volunteering yeah I mean I think you know people sometimes think corporations are these evil you know just out for money but um, you know like you said like my company is is uh, providing some products to the manufacturers of the vaccine. So like we wouldn't, you know, be able to produce a vaccine without some of the things that my company's doing. Your company makes food. We wouldn't be able to feed the world if we didn't have companies like yours. So I think you can work for, you know, your company can also give back. And also when you're making money, you can still give back. You know, we had an episode on charitable giving and like you can volunteer and still be active in the community without having to you know, do it a hundred percent of your time. Right. Right. And so I, I think, I, I think that, that fire makes sense for a subgroup of people. <clears throat> it doesn't like the strict, especially lean fire, um, specifically makes sense for people maybe that, that are only going to be happy if they're doing volunteer hours. If they're, if their goals are, I want to do volunteer hours. I want to spend every waking moment with my family. Um, and I want to get the bills paid. And if that's all you want to do, then then that's great. There, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That, that's completely good. Another group of people, I would say, are for people that aren't like me. I acknowledge that I'm probably in the minority of people, that I love my work and what I do. So, yeah, if you hate your job and your profession and you're just, this is not for me, then, well, of course, you know, you of course you want to quit and retire. Definitely. <laughs> And we're not going to fault you for that no. because, yeah, that that's completely legitimate. And, uh, and and maybe maybe you just want to have the option to do something else. Maybe what you want to do in life doesn't pay really well, but 
you need to stick it out in a job that where you can save up some money until you can go and you can you can do that job that doesn't pay as well, but you're actually going to be a lot happier in it. And and that's a great option too. So that, that's another great reason to be doing right. this. Right. What I think is funny when I think about this movement, not knowing about it until, you know, recently, I feel like David, you were a bit of a trailblazer in this area. I think you were like pre-fire. Like you were the, yeah. you know, you were rubbing the sticks together be- you know, before uh, this, before the light, light, lighter so fluid worked. Th- that was really, that was really the entirety <laughs> of my twenties up until we got married. I, yeah, I, I mean, I kept my my house. the The temperature was kept at fifty five degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I really didn't I, I didn't eat a lot of food <laughs> I watched what I what groceries I was buying I never went out to eat I saved every penny that I earned I even like driving cars. your car I was very careful about where am I driving my car how much gas am I burning always using cruise control always yeah not using my air conditioning <laughs> because the air conditioning was gonna hurt my mileage um so like I went to about as extreme stream as I was aware of at the time I washed my Ziploc bags I reused my my sandwich bags all my disposable stuff was not disposable in my mind so yeah I went I went there and this was this was before fire I knew anything about fire um yeah so yeah it, that's very much my natural gravitation what I naturally gravitate to Heather's roped me in brought me in a little bit um, but if you want to do this as a couple, how, how does that work, Heather? Because right. clearly that didn't work in our relationship. To right. Get I mean, even though we didn't have a name, we didn't know like, you know, or the minimalists or whatever that you were doing, um, that was not going to work for me. So um, I think I think step number one is you have to be on the same page as a couple. So, and you know, we were not on the same page. We were definitely <laughs> we were in different books. <laughs> <laughs> we were possibly written in different languages at that point. But um so, yeah, I think you guys got to talk about it and you got to get on the same page. You can't just bully or just say we're doing this and would not get your spouse on board. So um, it, it won't work. One person is going to blow it up if if you're, you're not on the same page. So you got to get on the same page. Yeah, th- this really has to be the main goal that you're both working towards. So we we've talked a lot about the importance of goals and this retire early or achieving financial independence has to be your primary goal as a couple if you're going to be successful at it. There, I, there is no other way that it's going to work. Like, like she said, you got to be on the same page so that you can agree where you're going to spend and what you're what you're going to spend it on. Um, yeah. And I think the biggest question if you're going to do this is you need to ask yourself and your spouse. You know, how much do you want to enjoy your lifestyle and lifestyle now versus later? And I think that was the conversation we had Very because much so. you weren't traveling, you weren't spending anything. And I was like, um, I'm not going to wait to have a life until I retire in my 50s or 60s or whatever. Like, I want to enjoy life now while I am in good shape and can do it. And you also don't know if tomorrow is going to come. And I'm not saying that means you just throw everything to the wind and aren't responsible but it is a balance. And so you guys need to decide what that balance is. And you may choose like, no, I want to wait. I want to be really aggressive and wait. And that's fine. But for me, um, I was really like, I want to be able to enjoy life now as well as, you know, prepare for the future. So you need to decide what that looks like. Right. And, And oftentimes when, when you're deciding what that looks like and when you're targeting early retirement, 
keep in mind that can that can oftentimes mean that you're looking at a, a scaled back retirement. You could be looking at if you if you're retiring at 40, if you might have to look at what your expense levels need to be for that to be sustainable. You might have to um, continue to sacrifice in retirement uh, to a certain extent. If you're not willing to do that, well, then maybe you're leaning more towards a, a fat fire where you need to continue to save up more over a longer period of time in order to have that richer retirement. Um, and, and then when, when you're having these conversations, don't look at, at fire or really any other goal to, to be, a, to fulfill or, or solve any marital problems, right? This isn't going to make your marriage better. This isn't going to... This isn't the magic, this isn't the magic answer to all no, marriage problems? No, no. I, I know a lot of people <laughs> will say, oh, if I just had a few more dollars in the bank, then my life and my marriage and everything is going to just fall into place. And that's just not the case because you, you're you going to hit that dollar amount. And when you hit that dollar amount, your problems are still going to be there. Sure, you might not be worried about how am I going to pay for the car bill, but but odds are, if you were in, if you were fighting with your spouse about that car repair, you're going to be fighting with your spouse about something new now. And so, don't look at this as the solve for your marriage or the solve for why you're not happy. It's a good point. I think finally, um, you really just should enjoy the journey together as a couple. So, you know, whether you do fire, whether you do a version of it, fi or whatever, um, really getting on the same page and setting the goal and dreaming and going after it together. You need to enjoy your life together. Enjoy the journey. You know, they always say life is about the the journey, not the destination. And it really is because um, you don't know when you're going to get there or where it's going to be. So really enjoy this life that you've got. Enjoy it every day. So, um, we want you to continue this conversation with your spouse. So uh, the question we want you to talk about, we assume that everyone wants financial independence. I would hope you're listening to this and be like, yeah, I want that. So given- Especially if you're listening to a financial podcast and you don't want to be financially independent, <laughs> I, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> but keep listening. Keep listening. Even if you, even if you don't want that. <laughs> so given that you want financial independence, which would you prefer if you were to get to go after the fire? The fat fire? Are you more of, hey, let's do it kind of slower, enjoy this life? Lean fire, like let's be all in, chips on the table, let's eat beans and rice forever. Uh, barista, gonna have a part-time gig or the coast method. So talk through those different options and where you as a couple would be interested in being. So David, if we had known about this fire movement when we got married, what would we have, would, do you think we would have done it? Would, would our life have looked different then than it did? I, I don't think our life would be too much different. So <laughs> as you mentioned, I was pretty much, a, a, well, I was a very aggressive lean fire without realizing I was a lean fire. That was just how I operated. And maybe if, if I had known about fire and I had known about you know, the, the, the methodology and the, the formal frameworks and all that, maybe I would have had a better way to present a, a case to you to win you over. But <laughs> I still doubt that I would have gotten very far. And so, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much it really would have changed had I known about the, the fire movement prior to us getting married. Yeah. So instead of you singing the song, come on, baby, light my fire and actually lighting my fire, I kind of 
drenched pour a bucket of water on yours is that kind of how it works <laughs> you definitely extinguished my flame <laughs> there you go i will agree to that yeah i feel like i'm not sure that this would impact to your point it would have put it in just some more verbiage and formality and looking at all these people and seeing what people are doing but i i mean i, I i'm glad that we've kind of come to a place of compromise where we are saving and we are you know looking towards an early retire or the ability to do early retirement Correct. and be financially independent. But I'm glad that we've had the experiences and we've gone on the vacations and, you know, been able to, to have internet at the house and, <laughs> um, you know, and not have to wear a winter coat um, in the winter inside <laughs> my house. So I don't think that that would, you would have gotten me all the way in that minimalist now. Um, it could have been a little bit, you know, on the fat fire, which I think is kind of more the, the path that we've chosen. It, it feels like we ended up there without calling yeah, it that. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like we've kind of done it. It just hasn't been, you know, you've come a little bit more my way than me go your way. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that about wraps up our conversation for today. We would love to continue to hear from you on how your conversations around money have gone or to take some of your questions on a future episode. Remember, you can always email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Also, continue to rate and review us on iTunes as that'll help us reach more people. Thanks again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the